Welcome to the newest episode of the Needless Things Podcast, where we talk about toys, movies, music, and all manner of pop culture dorkery. I am your host, Phantom Troublemaker, and this is the newest installment of... 31 Days of Halloween! That's right, each and every episode of the Needless Things Podcast during the month of October will revolve around things that are creepy, kooky, spooky, and Halloween-y. Today's episode is all about the Halloween Puck and Fuppet Show. My friend Bo Brown and Gavin Cummins, a Phoenix puppeteer, will be talking to us about Halloween, about puppetry, and about creepy 80s puppetry in horror movies. It's a great conversation. You are going to enjoy it. Before we get to that, I want to tell you about something that I have been actually promoting pretty heavily because I love it. And that is The Exorcist on Fox. This television show is excellent. It is my favorite television show right now. Now, granted, if Game of Thrones or Venture Brothers was on currently, uh, it would be my number three favorite show. But they're not on right now, so The Exorcist is the top. People aren't watching it. The ratings apparently aren't great. So I'm spreading the word as hard as I can because I want this show to stay on the air. Uh, I will be... For the first time in I don't know how long, I will be legitimately upset if this thing gets canceled. Like, I'm vested in it. So, of course, it's on Fox on Friday night. The the fucking spot of doom. So, you know, I, I, I just want you guys to give it a chance. Check it out. Get, look at it on demand or go to Fox's website or whatever the case may be. Uh, and stream it, whatever you can do, please give this show a chance. If you don't like it, that's fine. Not everything is for everybody. I'm not telling you to sit down and watch this thing if you don't enjoy it, but if you haven't given it a chance, if you haven't checked it out, we're three episodes in. The fourth episode comes on the same day that this episode of the Needless Things podcast posts. Just give the show a shot. It's building. It The momentum is increasing. The scope of the storyline is increasing. There is conspiracy stuff. The The larger portion of the Catholic Church gets involved. I don't want to go into too much detail because part of the delight of the show has been watching things unfold and watching the stage get bigger and bigger from what we expected. Uh, and to answer a couple of questions you might have, uh, the movie... The original Exorcist movie uh, happened. Uh, they they were not direct about it. It's it's a little vague, but it is referenced. Uh, and this is modern day, and it is not a remake. It is not a retelling. Uh, it is possibly in the same continuity as the original movies. Possibly not. I don't. Uh, like I said, they leave it vague enough to where you go, oh, that's cool, but not so attached to it that you feel like they, they're beholden to what's been established already. But it's fantastic. The characters are fantastic. Uh, Cameron from from Ferris Bueller's Day Off is in it, and he's great. And uh, all of these great actors. Uh, Gina Davis. Gina Davis is in this show. Now, look, how much have you seen Gina Davis in in the last, like, five years? 
not much. And she's great. Like, she is a great actress. So you know if she chose to be on this TV show, there's got to be something special about this thing, something she believed in to take part in it. And I'm telling you right now, you're going to believe in it too. Uh, it, it excites me. Just sitting here thinking about everything that's happened on the show makes me want to go rewatch those three episodes again. I'm telling you guys, just give it a chance. Check it out. Uh, and, and if you like it, do what I'm doing. Spread the word. Tweet about it. That, that's how shows stay on the air now. People get on Twitter and Facebook and, and Instagram and crap chat and whatever else and, and say, hey, watch this show. I got the biggest Twitter response I've ever had from anything by just saying, uh, I love The Exorcist. Everybody, please give it a chance. I got tons of retweets. A couple of people from the show retweeted me. Gina Davis's Twitter account retweeted me. Uh, and, and it's like, that's exciting, but I just want people to watch the show. So please watch The Exorcist. All right, Phantomaniacs, it's time to take a break and put over one of the great sponsors that keep the Needless Things podcast 100% free for you each and every week. We all have items laying around the house that are haunted, possessed, or cursed. What the heck do you do with them? You can't burn them in your yard trash, the garbage man won't take them, and you can't give them away as Christmas presents. Nobody wants murderous puppets laying around the house. After that poltergeist infestation, your favorite recliner just isn't comfortable anymore. What the heck do you do with this evil junk? Now I have the answer for you. Phantom Troublemaker is going to help you out. Just go to TakeMyEvilJunk.com and arrange a pickup for your haunted housewares, demonic dinettes, and possessed possessions. Don't let that clown marionette ruin your fancy dinner parties anymore. Contact TakeMyEvilJunk.com now and change your life. TakeMyEvilJunk.com is a fast disposal service that will come to your home and remove any and all supernaturally motivated items from the premises, relocating them to a safe New England containment facility. Go to TakeMyEvilJunk.com and use the discount code NEEDLESS to get 10% off your pickup. That's discount code NEEDLESS at TakeMyEvilJunk.com to get 10% off. Okay, I need to put over SupportPhantom.com as well. Go check it out. I didn't give up. I was going to give up. Uh, but I didn't. There's going to be a new podcast up very soon. My review of Batman and Robin, The Return of the Cape Crusaders, is up there now. And all you have to do is contribute a dollar a month to have access to my Patreon feed. Now, that will not give you access to the podcast, but it will give you access to exclusive reviews, uh, to pictures that I put up, uh, behind-the-scenes shots from the Dirty Dirty Con Con Game Game Show Show will start filtering in there soon. And I'm going to start a new project that I am not going to announce until I have the first one in the can, but that will happen before the end of October. So go to supportphantom.com and check it out. Uh, see if you want to help me out. Just $1 will help me a lot and uh, will get you access to some cool stuff. So Halloween is a few weeks away. Uh, the Puck and Fuppet Show is October the 22nd. I will be hosting games there. We're going to talk about that during today's episode. I've got a Halloween party that I haven't been to in a few years that I'm going to be returning to. And then Halloween night itself, I'm going trick-or-treating with my son. That's my deal. Uh, there are going to be things between now and then. I'm still hoping that me and the missus can make it out to a haunted house. Uh, but I I'll tell you, for some reason this year, I've just been having a lot of fun with uh with the website with putting up monster a day if you follow phantom troublemaker on instagram you'll see my monster a day pictures i got a ton of photo albums from my parents house last time we went up there and 
I'm going through and I've got a few Halloween pictures of me in old costumes that are, I've been sharing. Uh, I've got a ton of Christmas stuff that is going to make great material for that month of December. And I, I don't know. I've just I've been I've bought some spooky toys. I, I we haven't done anything yet, but I'm just having a really good Halloween season so far. So hopefully we can get out and actually do some stuff. Uh, my work schedule is as always the drizzling shits and, and has been preventing things. And of course there's school too. You know you can't do anything on a school night, so. We're trying to work around it, but either way, I, I'm just having fun. And it once again comes down to what I say every year, make your own fun. Make your own spookiness. Uh, I made a little miniature haunted house, which you're, if you're following me on Instagram, I put up a video of it in my storyline, whatever that is. Uh, I made a little miniature haunted house in, in my uh, the other side of the Phantom Zone. I've just been making my own fun, and you can do the same thing. So if you're a little down, if you're not feeling spooky enough, if you're not, you know, getting into it, uh, think think about your favorite horror movie that maybe you haven't watched in a few years, or even one that's not your favorite. Maybe just something that you haven't watched in a few years, like maybe Puppet Master or one of the older Friday the Thirteenths or something like that. Pop it in. Go to the Spirit Halloween store. It sounds corny, but man, that place always makes me happy. Uh, and then there's Halloween City and and. Uh, even Party City does it up a little bit during during the season. Just get out there, have some Halloween fun. And speaking of Halloween fun, it is time now to talk to Gavin Cummins and Mr. Bo Brown about the Halloween Puck and Fuppet Show and other creepy stuff, uh, as well as some puppeteering talk. All right, Phantomaniacs, in keeping with the Halloween-y themes that we've had going on this month on the Needless Things podcast, we have a very special episode for you tonight. And I say special because it involves a thing that I'm going to be part of. Hooray! But before we get to talking about that, uh, I want to bring back to the show, ladies and gentlemen, my lovely co-host, the talented Mr. Bo Brown. Greetings, Phantom. It's good to be back. It's wonderful to have you back, especially under these uh, spooky and exciting circumstances. And you you have brought a friend with you. Would you like to introduce your friend to the listening public? I have. Uh, I have brought the amazing, talented, and very humorous uh, Gavin Cummins all Hooray! the way. Uh, he was just at DragonCon with us. Mm-hmm. And I'm bringing him back to Atlanta just because I personally can't get enough of the guy. Yay! Um, <laughs> bringing him back this month for the Halloween Puck and Fuppet show. He will be our guest artist, the star of the show, the headliner. Uh, and I'm very excited to have him uh, be our Halloween guest artist. Gavin, Yay. welcome to the Needless Things podcast. It's great to have you here, man. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. So before we dip into the Halloweeny stuff, I'd like to talk a little bit about your background with puppetry and how you've gotten to where you are now. Uh, for our listeners, I want to put something over that uh, Bo told me that you are a product of the University of Connecticut's puppetry program, which is mm -hmm. a very prestigious thing. It's not not every average Joe uh, walks into and comes out of that program. Tell us about it. Uh, it's a program about puppets. No, <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Let me the man next. Get on <laughs> <a> show. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's it's kind of cool because it's um, 
It's an old program, honestly. It's been, uh, we just celebrated the, uh, 50th anniversary of the puppet program. It's had, uh, two heads of it since there. One was a guy named Frank Ballard, now headed up by, uh, uh Frank, uh, not Frank, uh, Bart Rockerburton. And yeah, it's, it's a, uh, it's a kind of one of the only, uh, puppet programs in the, in the nation right now. Uh, there's one in, uh, West Virginia in undergrad and there's, uh, there's some, uh, there's some in Hawaii and LA. Uh, but there's also a dead field of other puppet programs, uh, that have, uh, gone by the wayside. But, uh, Yukon remains standing. Uh, yeah, it's a great program. It's really, um, I liked it. It's a great way to learn, uh, a lot about puppetry and different styles of puppetry is what I think I really enjoyed. Uh, about being there is being exp- you know learning about the things you didn't know about and then learning about them more uh different styles of, of puppetry including t- uh um i never really did hand puppets before i went to yukon and uh, i'm bringing two hand puppets or glove puppets to the uh, to the slam oh that's uh, so, so interesting because i i yeah. think that's uh, that's probably sort of the common man's idea of puppetry mm-hmm. so you didn't start there no 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 i started off doing um uh, there's weird puppet lore about the type of puppetry I was doing. Uh, it's now the common, yeah, well, it's a common place to call it like a tabletop, which I think is a, is a pretty good, uh, description with it. Uh, but when I, when I was doing it with this place in Seattle, it's kind of where, uh, I'm from, uh, before I was at Yukon. Uh, it was tabletop or we call a, a bunraku, which is Japanese style of, um, of, a broad puppet. Uh, it could also be called Czech black like puppetry. And it all kind of means about, well, it all means something different, but they all kind of get, used in the same way uh but it was very hands-on yeah, there's, there's small differences but yeah. the manipulation is pretty similar yeah yeah exactly if you went to each country they would have they would really tell you about all the differences uh, between each to each style uh but it, but the the big change is like in those styles it's multiple people on one puppet mm-hmm. versus the opposite when you do a hand puppets is like one operator and multiple puppets uh mm-hmm. so it's you know it's fun and cheaper to do uh, as a performer, right? You're not splitting the fee. You're splitting the fees or any, you know, anything you do with your puppets with them um, uh, and costs with only uh, the puppets and not with uh, people who are more demanding. Well, and sure, and there, there's something to be said also for having sort of like the ultimate creative control and knowing you're the one guy that's responsible for the performance as opposed to, to having to Absolutely. to have the trust in other people to put the show oh, on. Oh, true. Yeah, yeah, you are totally God. It's it's cool. <laughs> and, yeah. and just, to, just to be clear for the listeners, um, the Yukon Puppet Arts Program is a graduate level program. That's correct. Well, actually, if you're looking into it, it there's actually there's three degrees. So there is um, two uh, graduate level degrees, and there is also an undergraduate degree, a BFA, that you can uh, get in puppetry. And there's a lot of uh, talented folks who come out of that uh, program uh, as well. There's also a remote. What are you calling it? Oh yeah, there's an online class. I totally forgot. Yeah, yeah, yeah there's an online class. That's very new. Uh, that just that just started within the last year. Uh, which there's uh, basically four classes. They're semester long. Um, they are actually taught live, so uh, it's not like you can just pick up the class like anytime. It actually kind of follows a, a semester basis with the professor who's with you the whole way. So those class assignments are going back and forth, and there's a lot of uh, video conferencing of of things. So it's not like a just watch this video then send something in. There's actually interaction. With uh, with uh, with puppeteers, oh, so yeah, wow. there's a, yeah, there's yeah, and it's different different folks. There's uh, four classes that uh, you're taking. It's basically anybody who's uh, I think you have to have an undergrad degree or be in school to take it. Um, there's classes, but if you take the four classes, you get an associate's degree. And uh, if in those four classes you're going, hey, maybe I'd like to pursue puppetry at a graduate level, uh, you can actually take those classes, and they will count towards your degree. So you kind of you know knock off a semester nice. or a year. Yeah, it's pretty cool. 
uh, in the twenty, yeah, moving into the we're in the twenty first century, right? Yeah, moving into the into twenty first century of, well, uh, of puppetry. And something that that people may not realize is how much there truly is to puppetry. It's not just a matter of putting your hand inside some cloth. There are many different styles, you know, as we've talked about on the show before, there are many different styles of puppetry, but there are also so many different aspects of performance and creation, and mm-hmm. there's a lot to it that, honestly, it's probably one of the more complex things you could pursue uh, field-wise. Yeah, it, it, it is, and it's, it's so wonderfully varied. There's also, there's um, a, a puppet museum there as part of the, out of the, um, Part of the campus called the Ballard Institute Museum of Puppetry, uh, where I worked at, which was great because I learned a lot about it, all sorts of puppetry from all over and got to work with a lot of artists coming in. Uh, but uh, Dr. John Bell, who runs that, he's very big on uh, everything's a puppet, and you kind of get that in um, uh, in, uh, in in college. But you kind of look at the way at different ways. You start broad, broadening your uh, your your scope of what defines uh, puppetry. Uh, I mean, we, there's puppets we'd always think about, you know, hand puppets and Muppets and marionettes. I think are probably the three uh, main puppet styles that people I think normally associate with. Mm-hmm. But then you start getting into different types of rod puppets, or you get into giant puppets or parade puppets, right? Those big ones, or, or the Macy's Day uh, parade balloons, and uh, so particularly the balloons, which were actually designed by a puppeteer who just put this idea of going, "Hey, a balloon is an upside down marionette." Um, and then you, when you get into kind of you know modernity and things, kind of. People working different uh, different ways, especially I think in in Europe coming over, which is, has a long, bigger, uh, older traditions of puppetry. But you get into object performance, and then what? You, then that's kind of you know, what makes puppetry and what makes a puppet. It's the movement. How do we you give emotion and life to an object? And what's when you when you look at it, there's like well, there's a, a actual object which is the puppet right it has a may say has a face and arms and things like that but also that puppet is also just right an object it's just a thing right it's a doll right uh you know like you could easily go that um uh that you know playing with uh i don't know he-man figures uh together as a child or an adult right you are in fact you're in you are participating in an improvisational uh puppet form object performance piece right it's (laughs) with yourself with an audience of one, yeah. or with your friends, you do it together. You know, you do it, you do it together. Uh, and you I mean, I think you can go too far because I think you. I like saying you can. Uh, um, uh, uh, you could say that about sports, right? Is a uh, is a yeah. uh, is a contact improvisational object performance. If you wanted to, but <laughs> so you know, it's the, the the you know the football players are the highest paid puppeteers uh, in the world. Uh, but that might be going a step too, you know a step too far. Now, but where where did you where did you get your start with puppetry? Like, where did your interest come from? Because we we've talked to we talked to a decent number of puppeteers on the show, and you've got you know folks that saw Sesame Street or the Muppet Show the first time, or folks that like you were just saying maybe just started off playing with their toys in a more elaborate manner than the other kids do. They weren't just banging them together. They were playing out small stage shows with their action mm-hmm. figures. How did you, where did your interest develop? I think it's one of those things I, uh, I always had an interest in, in puppetry. And I was, I think I was in that, that realm of kids who would, um, uh, you know, work objects like everything could be a, a character in a doll or, or, or something like something like that but it really wasn't until i was in uh, a seattle and i was working as an, an actor in seattle um i started getting more interested there was a local puppeteer uh there who worked at the seattle children's theater named doug posh who's uh, been around and kind of beloved around the world and um, until he uh, he died 
but he was one person I started talking with about trying to get um, uh, into it and working what he does. He does a lot of uh, did a lot of um, uh, uh, rod puppets uh, and also integrating it with uh, theater performances. He did um, amongst the other puppets he did for Seattle Children's Theater. They did an original um, adaptation of uh, the Neverending Story. Uh, kind of based on the film and, and the book, and he made all the the puppets puppets for that. Uh, and then I started working with um, a group called uh, Thistle Theater, which was kind of a family children's theater, working in this, like I said, this uh, American tabletop unraku style. Uh, and then in that was what I was doing in the daytime uh, for uh, for children and families. And then there was a puppeteer uh, there whose name was uh, Brian Couser, who I also started working, who was doing uh, the same style of puppetry, but it was all a uh, very adult uh, oriented. So the uh, the first kind of adult, and that was my first working with uh, puppetry that, you know, not exclusively for children, that it has you know, as an adult uh, theater form and complex form. Uh, and it's still one of my favorite shows. The first one I did with them, it was called um, uh, Dracula Case Study. And it was a really great example of how you can put, how puppetry can be used to tell this this greater story. It was, uh, the story was based on Dracula, but it kept changing point of views. The idea was that, um, uh, Mina Harker and Van Helsing were together in an insane, insane asylum, insane asylum uh, run by John Har- uh, Jonathan Harker. No, Harker? Seward. John Seward. Uh, and so they would basically are going through working out the story of Dracula and what happened. And they would then each co- co-opting the story to tell it from their own point of view. And then the puppets would change depending on who was telling the story. Uh, so, and they would, so, you know, so that you had Amina uh, Harker and there are these beautiful, uh, uh, po- uh, puppets coming in and sort of telling that putting this story is this a story of a monster coming to life, or was this just a, some foreign dignitary and these crazy men killed him because they made up this mythology about him? And that's kind of what the story is is left open. It's just the manipulation of people, you know, abusing things. And what was the actual story? And that was, you know, that was that was hugely influential. I went on to do several more shows um, uh, with him, and then uh, and then actually, actually, <laughs> you might not know, you're hugely influential as well. Um, I've been told that. Yes, you are. Uh, so it was the because uh, uh, I was uh, uh, I was doing all this work, and then I'd gone to a regional festival in in Seattle, and then I went to the national in uh, in Georgia, um, and this was I think this was the second one. I think it was the two thousand eleven. Yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. and that was the first time. Uh, and I saw the National Puppet Slam there. It was and, the first National Puppet Slam, and it was I thought I was say I think it was the first. It was the first one. It was yeah, and so. Uh, after seeing that, I grabbed Nick Hubbard, who was there, and, uh, and then found Lisa Hasselbauer, who was at Great Arizona Theater and went, moved up to Seattle. And then we immediately started a slam in Seattle. And that became a great outlet. And that's kind of where I really started working in, in puppetry development. Coast to coast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so actually the first national is what actually spawned the Fussy Cloud uh, Puppet Slam, which, uh, in Seattle, which is still going. And I'm so happy it is on its third generation of people running it. Which is yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's super cool. Uh and then yeah, and then that then that's kind of kinda of rolled and I was kind of at a point of uh, I was didn't really want to do acting anymore, it's kinda of getting dissolutions of it and it and, and that it sucks being an actor uh most of the time. And uh and puppetry was just better. I enjoyed it more, I liked the outlet more, 
um, I had more chance, like kind of you're saying, being control, write stories, kind of work your own story. I kind of the more I did puppetry, I found out this is really the medium I've been searching for the entire time I've been doing acting, um, and hit a critical point. And then that's when I started. Then I started going to O'Neill, the uh, National Puppetry Conference at the Eugene O'Neill Center, uh, to say I think the long. That's where we more. I think that's where we met, right? At the that's O'Neill? where we met. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, the first festival, I was very sure. I just kind of hit, I didn't know anybody there, so I just was you know. Well, that was only my that. second festival. Oh, was it as well? Atlanta, yeah, Atlanta One was my first festival. Oh, damn! Let me yeah. let me ask you guys real quick because it see from the conversations that we've had uh, on the show about puppetry, I have heard a couple of times now people who were initially interested in acting and moved to puppetry, and while it's probably there, there are a narrower available amount of opportunities there i would think if you're a skilled puppeteer you've probably got a a better future than acting which is such a broad thing well i don't know i mean puppetry is so niche you know it's Mm -hmm. like when you're an actor yeah there are way more fish in the pond Mm mm-hmm and and the pond is definitely much smaller when you're a puppeteer, mm-hmm. but it also there's less work. But it seems yeah. to me like with being a puppeteer, the chances of doing something you love are greater. Yeah. Like the the, satisfac- the satisfaction yeah. of the job is is has the potential to be higher. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, I teach a, I I've taught like a puppetry one hundred and one course for high school theater kids. And when I start that class, I say, okay, so there are two kinds of theater kids. So all you actors, raise your hands. <laughs> and the actors raise their hands. And I say, great. So what you're, what I hope that you're going to be able to walk away from today with is the understanding that puppetry enables you to no longer be typecast. Mm-hmm. That, that as an actor, your job is to sell that you're you. You have you have a body and you have a voice and that is what you've got. Right. And you you're not going to get past that as an actor. That's always going to be part of of your career. Mm-hmm. Is is what you look like, you know, and and that's that's what you're stuck with. When you're a puppeteer, suddenly the your physicality starts to matter way less. Uh, so, and then I say, okay, so that's, that's what, that's, you know, that's what you, you acting kids can get out of this is, is that it really broadens your range of the types of characters you can play. Cause it, it, not even just people, you're not, you don't even, you're not even limited to playing people anymore. Um, and then for the technical theater kids, for you directors, for you designers, um, for you writers, and specifically for the technicians in the room, imagine what it would be like to do a show with no actors <laughs> and all of their eyes just light up and all the actors get like <laughs> that's what it is, is, is it's, yeah. you know, a lot of times when we're talking about puppetry we talk about how it's like the intersection of all art forms mm-hmm. that it's that it's of that you're moving your body so it's it's got you know your 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 physicality is so important so you got all this movement training it's like dance then it's uh you know you're singing you're talking you're doing voices so all all of um your your uh your vocal art arts are are being explored mm-hmm. the puppets have to be built so they have to be sculpted they have to be painted so you've got sculpting painting mm-hmm. 
uh, sewing to, to do yeah. all the soft goods. And then the fact that puppets aren't just static things, they have to work. So right. it's also engineering. Mm-hmm. So it's where all of these different disciplines meet in the middle. And in order to be a successful puppet artist, you really have to be like a jack of all trades. You mm-hmm. have to be a little bit good at everything. It's very hard to be, um, and that's why I think why the puppet arts the puppet arts program emphasizes this, where you learn mm-hmm. about all the different kinds of puppets. Yeah. Because in order to really be a successful puppet artist, you can't be like, well, I do this one thing. Mm-hmm. You really have to embrace all of the different art that goes into puppetry and yeah. all of the uh, all of you. You have to be good at everything. Now, on that note, uh, Gavin, mm-hmm. do you fabricate as well as perform? I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I do, and I certainly, and that's actually one of the reasons I went to, to, to UConn to learn how to build better uh, and uh, you know build on skills. And it's interesting there. People come from all walks, which is fascinating. There's a handful of you know performers, and there's there's tech people in theater. There's people with no experience in theater whatsoever. Uh, we have a I think that someone came in uh, that has a circus background. Uh, there's some cosplay folks that come in. And what's kind of neat about like you know it's one thing you get in academics, especially with puppetry, like Bo said, where you you as a puppeteer you you at some point do all of it. You know you can might be able to break out when honestly if you're looking if you're looking for career advice, there's more work as a builder than a than a performer. Uh, for certain, because uh, those damn actors. Can you swear on this podcast? I forgot. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Uh, just there there are no off limit words. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Sharon. Um, uh, but you know, because you know, anyway, that I don't want to be all public complaining. But big shows, which, well, <laughs> yeah, well, it is. I mean, big shows that tour shows where well, they'll they'll hire they'll hire actors to do, and I, you know, um, to do that. Like most of uh, War Horse, the people who are done that tour, yeah. they hire mostly uh, mostly actors. But it kind of gets back to. I'll say what I think about the combination because it's easy to do. Um, um, uh, actually, we do any theater artist, but actors and puppeteers in particularly. Um, I like what Bo said a lot. Uh, I always also phrase it what's in terms of not necessarily career, but just as 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 practitioner of your art, right? One thing was when you're an actor, you're kind of always a beggar, right? And you always need someone else's permission to do your art, right? right? You always need someone else, but you. Don't with a puppet with a puppet at the puppeteer. You need no one's permission to do it. You can just do it, right? Even in even in like in like an extreme case, you can make your puppet show in your living room and you know do it on a, on a, on a camera, do it just for yourself, whatever. But you get to practice your actual art, right? Um, you know, you could do a monologue in a mirror, I suppose, with yourself, but you know. I would also say nobody wants to see your one man show. Nobody wants to see your one man show. Well, and the, there's also <laughs> there's also got to be a certain amount of satisfaction that comes from crafting a thing, writing a right. thing, and yeah. your your final product is more of a complete piece of work than mm-hmm. what a basic actor could do. And that's not taking anything away from actors because actors go no, on to no, be no. writers, directors, and everything else, but. When when you are a puppeteer, particularly one who has been through uh, you know a program or or an actual you know college uh, situation, you have lots of different tools that you're using to put together more of a final product. Well, yeah, and also I think it's I mean important. I think this is the you know the vocal for all you know to go out to an audience is that the puppetry and and they'll say actors theater, which I think is a good word, just you know theater where there's actors in it, and we have theater that mix, of course, but uh, but the difference between a puppet show and and an actors theater show, right? They are 
different and they do different things. And I've actually been trying to think a lot of, well, what is that, you know, that, that definition of what they do? Um, in, in some ways it's that there's, uh, that, that theater, live theater is a very, is very theatrical. I mean, um, it's very literary, uh, a form and puppetry is a little more, is more of a visual a form. It doesn't really rely on, on, uh, show not tell. Yeah, exactly. Very, yeah. very, very literally about that. But I think what's essential and I think what in, becomes intriguing about uh, puppets for an audience is um, puppet is this puppets can't lie, right? Puppets, a puppet can only be what it is. It can't be anything else, which there's a purity um, of that, right? And actors are always, uh, <laughs> to say it negatively, actors are always liars, right? They're always pretending. They're, they're all, it's always, it's, we, your person interpreting some, something else. Um, but a puppet doesn't have that. When a puppet walks in, it is what it is and isn't anything. Um, isn't anything else. There's a purity, purity with that, and I think that's what changes the, what you can do with the storytelling. Puppets uh, tell stories in a different way and thus convey a, a, a different sort of things. In, in a weird way, I always find that I think puppets are a little bit better at getting into this deep human experience. I think a little better than, uh, than, than, than actors do, or actors theater do. I think actors theater does something as something else, honestly, I can't. I, I have a hard time um, uh, defining what it is. I think it's better at, at large uh, uh, plot and, and complex. Well, I, uh, I know, you know exactly. Just, I, you know. I know exactly what you're talking about because I, I've seen live theater uh, mm-hmm. and I've seen puppetry, and, and particularly at the, the puppet slams that I've seen at Dragon Con, uh, there have been some beautiful pieces there. And I find, you know, personally, this may not be everyone's experience, but personally, mm-hmm. I've been more moved by some of the more dramatic. Uh, pieces that I've seen at the Puppet Slams than by any live human theater I've ever seen. And I, I, I can't quantify that. I don't know why that is. I, I think part of it has to do with the amount of passion and talent and love it takes to create this puppet performance versus a person standing on the stage. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think that's yeah. a part of why it moves me in a different way is mm-hmm. it's not just a person standing there emoting. It's, man, they they love this. They created this thing. They put it together. Like, there's, there's a, a different level of passion that went into it, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I think so. And, you know, it, it also, I mean... It's an interesting place where actually we're all here with especially a thing where puppetry is now, which I, I feel it's you know I think we've been saying it for years that puppetry feels like it's on a rise, not just you know in in in, in more culture, but you know I think with with slams that actually people are actually going a little more interest in in, in, in puppet shows, and um, I think one of that is if you this is not to get too academicy, uh, but you know we're in a, a strange place with with theater where we we've had this long history, especially in American theater, um, with uh, with uh, with real naturalism and and realism, and I think we're moving past that for live theater, right. mostly I think because you I'm, can't, yeah, right. If I wanted just, real life, I would just be alive. Right, exactly. Or you have your other option: you go see a fucking movie. Uh, well, you know, and that's <laughs> that's the thing. I think live theater yeah. at this point has to evolve. It has to yeah. find something different to offer because you know people don't go to live theater anymore. Uh, it's it's not what it once was, and it's got to yeah. find a new way to get that public interest. Yeah, and I think, I mean, for me, I always feel like this way I think is about puppetry is that it just, I think theater just needs to be more 
theatrical, you know, and not necessarily, you know, spectacle, mm-hmm. but, but theatrical, which, which is, which sure. is heightened in, in some way, uh, oh, you know, where it is. I mean, you look at, um, uh, in probable theater from, uh, from, from England who did a shock headed Peter or, and, uh, the hanging man. And I don't think, uh, the Devil and Mr. Punch came over here, uh, but you know these are great stories. It involves actors. They are they are you know they're certainly actors, and it involves puppetries. But even as they're actors, they are heightened. I mean, they're they're caricatures. They have kind of have a lot of you know commedia dell'arte sort of look and clowningness that comes into it. But they're also telling a very you know they're telling. Um, well, they're just telling stories, I guess. But you know, it's, it gets moving. I guess it's moving beyond just the you know the realism you know of of, of, of theater. Um, which I think will help it, and then which I think should move it forward. I mean, I think there's a place for all of it, and I think anyone could come up with an example of, you know, a, a realistic, you know, realism, naturalism theater piece they saw that was amazing and blew them away, and I think that's absolutely true. Um, but they're probably more heightened and theatrical in some way, whether in the literature or or, or something else. So it's curious to see where it all where it all moves because everything's moving so so fast, you know, of, of where it's going, and I think you know, film plays a huge. Uh, a part of this, uh, especially specifically, you know, uh, now, I mean, right, you, there's puppet film festivals that people do. So puppetry is in, is working in small little short films. It's become fairly major in, in most movies that, that people see. It combines, it's oddly enough, uh, puppetry combines so well with CGI effects, you know, and, and they can really, really go, uh, go well together. I mean, you can just not put skins on something that's been moved, you know, for real by a sure, person. Sure. You know, that's that's yeah. mean, and that's a that's that's a that's a huge thing. And I think that the, I think that all aids us, right? It all aids us in being able to tell stories in a different uh, a different way, a more in a more interesting um, way, and just takes it takes us uh, takes us there. Well, um, and, 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 and if if you look at the most recent Muppet movies. Uh, you know, they did some of that. They did some uh, enhancement of the existing puppets. And, you know, when I first heard that, I'm, you know, I was a little dubious of what was going on. But watching those movies, it didn't feel like a corruption of the art. It felt like an enhancement. It felt like, you know, mm-hmm. oh, well, now they can do new and different and interesting things. And mm-hmm. there's still puppets there. And there's still puppeteers doing the work. Uh, right. But they're getting to do new things that they could not mm-hmm. do before. Well, what, yeah, well, what Hollywood is finally figuring out is everyone's like, oh, CG is going to kill puppetry. CG is going to kill puppetry, which was, you know, what everybody was so afraid of, mm-hmm. you know, a decade ago. And now, you know, a couple of prequel Star Wars movies later, yeah. we've all learned valuable lessons mm-hmm. about that puppetry is really good at certain things and CG is really good at certain things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, like... CG is really good for spaceships mm-hmm. and in giant robots. Mm-hmm. You know, CG is great at that. It's not good but for the, living things, right? Uh, Inter- yeah, interactive but there, but, there, but there's a blend. They're 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 mm-hmm. learning that like w- what are the strengths of these things. So, for example, you know, Brian Henson does this talk about about you know computer graphics and things like that, and he calls it seeing the math. When you have a CG character that just doesn't look right, um, and 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 takes you out of the experience, uh, when it moves the way the way that the human characters interact with it, or sure, or sure. whatever, it just doesn't look like it fits into that world that the human actors are in. Real quick, um, oh, real quick, I have to I have to give you my example because I was talking to my son about this the other day. 
Shoot. Uh, and, and you bring up Brian Henson, which is absolutely perfect for this example. Uh, so you have the original Ninja Turtles movie, live-action Ninja Turtles uh-huh. movie, yep. with mm-hmm. the suits and the heads with the animatronics. And then mm-hmm. you have these current ones that are – the turtles are 100% CG. And well, they're still motion capture. They're motion they're, well, they're motion too. captured actors, but the turtles themselves—they they don't look like they 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 don't occupy the space that we see on the screen. Right, but at least but at least the motion capture is there. But here's the yeah. thing: my what, what we were discussing is how a blending of the two. If you had CG enhancement on the faces of the original uh, suit right. turtles, then I think you would have had, for me, the perfect Turtles. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. the new ones are, they're too fakey. The, the, when you yeah. look at the Turtle figures in whole, the way that they move, if the whole film had been CG, they would be fine. But they stand mm-hmm. out like giant mutant turtles uh, <laughs> in the movie. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's, it's like you were, were heading. It's, I, I, we, were, we were talking about it and which movie he preferred and why he preferred it and, and whatever else. And that that's kind of the conclusion we came to is that those technologies mm-hmm. needed to come together. Mm-hmm. Oh, and that's what you're going to get. You're getting more. Yeah. You're getting more motion capture. You're getting more um, CG enhancement, like where the wild things are movie, yeah. where you've got you've got physical furry suits, and you're adding in you know you're adding in some facial stuff. You're adding mm-hmm. in uh, other details, you know, to be able to let puppets blink. Right. With CG, you right. know stuff like that that can mm-hmm. that can enhance them. Um, mm-hmm. That is way easier than uh, you know building eye blink mechanisms and everything. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, also, I mean, the Force Awakens is another great example because that's like a huge blend of live puppets and then little enhanced CGI to actually actually put it in the same world. I mean, yes. uh, like BB-8 is this amazing combination of puppets and puppeteered. And little bits of CGI put in yep. to, to to put things make things happen, and it's throughout the movie that you know there's all sorts of uh, perfect blends, and you know the motion caps, and it's also you know technology moving forward. There's just certain things you can do right now. I mean, with the the facial motion capture, I mean, I think that's part of like performance. Well, you can now have a completely CGI character acting in the same space as in person, right? And a puppet in or out, or in a puppet, you know, be acting alongside there they're not imagining it's there they're actually there and that's one of the things right. that's you know nice i think let's go back to you know actors is one thing's nice about you know actors in any sort of live performance you always have the ability of you know of of the uh, of the happy accident right of just something mm-hmm. the improvs that happens there which which you get to have when things are just in the same space right, right? when you're not when, you're, when when the cg characters aren't just programming right there and, is yeah, a performance yeah. You're there. you're not going to mm-hmm. get those little moments out of a blue tennis ball on a stick, right? Right, especially yeah, exactly, exactly. Because it can't do as much. <laughs> you know? Well, no, it can, it can only do what you tell it to do. True enough. True enough. When, yeah, yeah, when, yeah. when the you know the seat when the computer graphics guys are programming it to to smile, it can't you know it can't accidentally drop the ball. It right. doesn't forget its line. Right. You know. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Which is which is why which is why the like the outtakes from Pixar movies are so interesting, like mm-hmm. the Toy Story outtakes. Yeah, yeah. Because those are faked out. You know, there's there is no actual outtake. Right, they're completely right. manufactured. Right. An outtake. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Before we 
Before we move mm-hmm. on to uh, spookier subject matter, Bo, is there anything else you wanted to make sure we covered uh, with Gavin? Um. Well, I mean, I think. I mean, it would be we could talk about the show. Um, but, oh yeah, we're that's that's part of our yeah, spooky okay, so, subject um, matter. So if you're good for that, let's do it. Uh, I'll just I'll just last thing that uh, well, that I was at UConn, and I'll say now that I've uh, speaking of, of puppetry life, I'm now employed at the Great Arizona Puppet Theater. Here oh yeah, that Phoenix. was the big news. Yeah, Sorry, say that again. I'm at the Great Arizona Puppet Theater here in Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, and how long how long between you graduating did you get the job? Oh, uh, three months. Look at that. Huh? Uh. Yeah, it's it it pretty fucking awesome. <laughs> that, is, that is awesome. Yeah, so take that. Yeah. People that say spending money on a puppetry education isn't worth it. Three months he's employed. That's yeah. beautiful. Yeah, I'll brag about my class. Uh, I, I, so I got hired right away. Another my classmate, Krista, uh, got hired right away at Animax. Um, Ooh, Krista's going to Animax? She's there, yeah. She's been, she's oh, been awesome. there for about two months. Yeah, so she's uh, yeah, she's working with Matt. Just that's, that's fantastic. <laughs> they are in the same department, yeah. Uh, so I got to see them. Good, I'll bring her down here too. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and um, and then uh, uh, Anna, our student from Romania, uh, she just toured her show in uh, Poland and uh, won a uh, best uh, performer actor award for her piece yeah. uh, in a, in a puppet festival in in, in Poland. And uh yeah, and Anna uh, was Anna was at DragonCon two years ago. Yes, she was. That's right. And you know what? That's uh, that's got to be another unique thing about UConn's puppetry program is is how many uh, college programs are you going to be able to say something like our our student from Romania has gone on to tour Poland? Like, you, oh yeah, you guys, you had to have been so fortunate to have experienced so many people from so many different places. Like, you yeah. you were in a destination program. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, we had we had a we had a, a student from uh, Turkey who came in uh, last year, uh, who was awesome. I didn't meet this person, but there's gonna uh, starting next semester. It's just been about visas. We have an Iranian student who will be coming in. Puppetry in Iran is very cool because it's very very underground. I mean, I believe yeah, it's illegal. It's yeah, but it's also there's a lot of it. I think there's even some training that you can get there that's not super underground. Um, Iran also has its own. Uh, it has a, a Mubarak, which is its own puppet character. Uh, that's a, kind of this crazy little um, uh, two-string marionette, which is uh, it's it's really funny. Uh, so it's uh, yeah, it's it's cool. There's a you know, and we've had students come from all over. Uh, I think we've had someone from Israel and uh, yeah, Ireland. That's fantastic. I'll say um, so for those for those for those listening who have been to the Puck and Puppet show before, you may recall our val- our last show, which was the Valentine's Day show. Gwen Bonner was our guest artist, and yeah. she works at the Great Arizona Puppet Theater. So she does. She's my boss. She is the boss. <laughs> That's right. So um, so when you want do you want to talk a little bit about the theater? Uh, I can talk a little bit about it um, because I've only been here for two weeks, uh, <laughs> but it's uh, it's really funny because it's um it's in an old mission old mission church. So it's I work in a puppet church, uh, <laughs> and they are busy. We're really busy. They have um, I don't even know the number of puppets they have, kind of just in repertoire and rep. Uh, there's a it's a small staff, um, but Nancy Smith. Who founded it? Uh, she's still running it and doing shows. Uh, she's in some shows she's been doing for like you know uh, 
I think they're out 30 years right now. So they've been doing shows for 25, you know, they've retired some. Uh, they have, so we have three people touring all the time, taking shoes out. And then there's a regular, like basically almost there's always a show running in the theater. Uh, they also do, um, outreach and, uh, and workshops. Uh, we bring in adult shows. We're bringing, we're bringing a, a, a fabulous puppeteer named Bo Brown, uh, out to do. <laughs> never <laughs> heard, uh, never heard of January, the movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it, and it, it's, yeah, it's really, really great. We're also going to be doing an adult performance of a puppet version of a King Lear is coming out. And, uh, we're doing this cool project right now. Uh, it's called Imagine This. And there's a, uh, elementary school that they work with. Uh, it's like second through eighth grade at this, at this school. And so they had a writing contest. Everyone wrote stories and then this panel took their best stories and then we picked them all. And so we are going to produce 14 stories, uh, from, uh, kids, uh, that are written from second through eighth grade. Oh, basically. that's fantastic. Just- Two stories from each class, and uh, there's like four of us, and we're all making we're making three uh, stories on their uh, on uh, three puppet shows on their stories. Yeah, it's really fun. I have a one called uh, about the man burrito, about a guy who turns into a burrito, <laughs> and yeah, it's a second great story. It's hilarious. Uh, also, a clock who uh, who won't tell the right time. He like uh, people ask him the time, the clock just makes fun of him. Uh, and then uh, this uh, cool little creepy story called Pandora's Box, which is about uh, this little you know they. Find Pandora's box and release the evils in the world. And they get transported into different worlds and you know defeat the demons and stuff. It's a cool little story. Uh, complicated. That's going to be my shadow puppet story. I'm trying to do some, uh, yeah, some two overhead projector, you know, manual cinema type shit for that show. Nice. So yeah, yeah. So it's 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 great. It's a really really great uh, uh, theater, and uh, they're wonderful people. And yeah, we work hard. This is. Uh, <laughs> This is, this is almost, it's almost near the college level, but we have like regular time off. It's like, no, no, it's just work 40 hours. You're good. <laughs> so that's, <laughs> that's also a new thing. And it's like, just do puppetry. Yeah. What did you say today? You're supposed to make those shows today. Like, oh, right. I'm supposed to, I always think about doing this in my off time when I'm not doing other shit, but no. Right. <laughs> this is, yeah. You get to focus. Like, yeah. It's sweet. <laughs> so Bo, do you want to talk a little bit about the upcoming Halloween puck and puppet show? Absolutely. Well, uh, when Dragon Con is over, it means the Puck and Puppet Show season is on. So uh, uh, the Puck and Puppet Show has... I, I pretty much decided that it's only going to be three shows now. I used to try to do four. I used to try to do another one in the spring. Um, but I think I, I oftentimes had that plan, and then it didn't happen. Um, There's so many people who've gone from four to three. I know a lot of Puppet Slimes have gone from four to three. It's like three is yeah. now the magic number, yeah. Well, and because I because most of them were based around holidays, so it was mm-hmm. it's Halloween, it's Christmas, and then it's Valentine's Day, or you know holidays, so you know Hanukkah and New Year's and all that kind of stuff. Um, but and the spring show was like, hey, there isn't a theme, do whatever you want. But I, I feel like I've just the, my work with the Atlanta Film Festival has kind of eaten up that time in mm-hmm. spring, and we do the slam, yeah, which Gavin yeah. has been a part of as well. Um, at the film festival, so it's kind of like the fourth local slam. Yeah. Um, so we'll have three shows this season. I've already got all my guest artists lined up, Gavin being the first. Yay. And he's got two shows he's planning on bringing. Do you want to talk a little bit about your shows, Gavin? Uh, yeah. Um, uh, one I'm going to bring is <laughs> a current favorite uh, is uh, Attack of the Magician. 
which is a fun little show about a, a, a shitty magician who accidentally summons a, de- uh, summons a demon from hell. Um, and uh, I think just a fun little, I, th- I think it's a fun discovery show. I don't want to give too much away about it. No, no, but absolutely. But it's fun yeah. and it's loud. Uh, it's very loud. <laughs> it's very loud. It yeah. is a high energy show. It is a high energy show. And uh, this other one, which I don't know if you've seen, Bo, it might be on my website. Uh, oh, called, uh, yeah, it's called uh, Grand Guillaume uh, Dance Party, uh, which is fun. These are, um, uh, it's a, what's called basically anything or blank puppet, puppets. So there's hand puppets that don't really have any distinct uh, uh, features. Uh, and uh, uh, that has a pretty fun uh, uh, a surprise and twist. So I don't want to give too much around. Uh, but it's about, you know, uh, you know, it's about the troubles uh, of trying to work with a dancer and one's just not... Um, not pulling his weight, <laughs> and it leads to a Halloweeny surprise. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the best kind. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, but but Gavin will not be our only guest uh, because I thought that it worked out very well uh, at the holiday show last year, and I have invited Phantom back to host all of the game part. The audience participation game sections of the show. Which I am extremely excited about because you have, awesome. one, I love, anytime I have an opportunity to work with puppeteers, I will jump at it. Uh, and, and it was just such a good crowd and such a fun time. So I, I really appreciate you bringing me back. Oh, it's great. And it's one less thing I don't have to worry about. <laughs> exactly. <Hey>! That's <laughs> my talent is, is uh, picking up the workload. <laughs> hey, hey! I've I've been doing this a long time, and I have, and I used to do all of it by myself. And I have come to really appreciate being able to delegate other parts of of the thing out, and just focus on hosting, and and just focus on the audience, and have a stage manager to get the puppeteers on and off stage, have stage hands, and not feel like I have to do everything myself. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. So, so, speaking of which, how long have you been doing? Uh, do, do, well, for for right now, we'll stick to the Halloween one. How long have you been doing the Halloween Puck and Puppet Show? Uh, the holiday Puck and Puppet Show was the first of the holiday themed shows, and I think we did that one, uh, in a in a warehouse, um, that my mother in law owned that was in between renters. <laughs> and so we just we just went and like yeah. did the show in this warehouse, uh, and it was and it was fun. Madison was the guest artist, and since it was a big warehouse, he had roller skates on, and it was like roller skating around the the, the warehouse during the show. I have no I problem picturing that in the whatsoever. After the fact, too, um, Madison, who has also been on the podcast, yes, and um, and then. I guess when we did when we were at Lenny's well I don't know if we were doing the holiday show at Lenny's because the, the the show has gone through so many different venues I mean this is like the village the village theater is I think maybe the fifth or sixth venue we've had so you've uh, you have been doing this for years now yes uh, and and I inherited the show I inherited the show from a woman named Carolyn Masklet who started the show. Um, there was another Puppet Slam in town at Dad's Garage for years, which is where I really got my start in Puppet Slam, that uh, Lucky Yates was the producer and host for, Lucky Yates from TV's Archer. Um, mm-hmm. And I really learned, uh, unlike Gavin, Gavin's, mm-hmm. Gavin's story is, is a lot like m- most people who get into puppetry in that, you know, your, your first sort of forays into it are children's 
entertainment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and I came at it completely differently. Um, I have almost always done adult puppetry since I got started. Now, is so, that is that because of your your work with Chris Brown? Yeah, I mean, yeah. When I when I started, you know, in high school, uh, interning at the Center for Puppetry Arts, that that is definitely what got me involved. And it was through my relationship with Chris that I met Lucky and started being invited to that slam. And really, that was my audience, you know. So that's who I wrote things for was you know drunk people who come see a puppet show at midnight. And that's just sort of that's the way that my humor developed. It worked well for me, um, and I think that that writing for that audience definitely affected me all the way through till now. And then uh, when Caroline moved to France, uh, she asked if anybody wanted to take over the show, and I said sure. And I have been. And then the Dad's Garage show stopped, and so the Puck and Puppet show became the only local puppet slam in town. Uh, and here we are. Here we are. Yeah, been doing, with... Definitely been doing it a long time. We added the games, and I think those are a hoot. And the fact that our show is competitive, you know, because there's different puppet slams in, in you know mm-hmm. all over the country, and 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 Heather has told me that she really appreciates this description of it. Uh, Heather Henson. Uh, yeah. I like to say that a that a that a puppet slam is like a like a fingerprint of the of the puppet of the puppeteers in that city. You can every puppet slam is different, and <laughs> and you can learn a lot about the puppeteers and puppetry in a given city by watching their puppet slam. Mm-hmm. I'd agree yeah. with that. Uh, like for example, the the Phoenix the Phoenix show. There are fewer puppeteers in Phoenix. And so their shows tend to be longer in length. The shows tend to run like 10 to 12 minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there are fewer acts in the show. So there'll be like five or six acts that are longer. Whereas because we have lots of puppeteers here in Atlanta, our shows tend to run shorter and there's more of them. Uh, mm-hmm. And especially due to the open mic nature of the Puck and Puppet Show, uh, other shows are not open mic. Um, they're, they're a little more heavily curated. Um, mm-hmm. Some shows have themes. I know that the Puppet Slam in DC tends to run very political. Um, the shows in up in New York tend to be very curated, and it's a lot of the same shows. It's there's, it's you know it's like oh well that's so and so and they're going to do that one show they do because that's you know what they do. Um, although they do have puppet playlist, which is yeah, uh, where they pick like a song or a. Um, or a musician, and all the shows are inspired by that. So that's all That's all generative work. So some puppet slams are more like a showcase, where they're saying, hey, here's all these artists, and here's all their best shows. That's So we're going to get all these people together and put on a show. Other shows are, are, are generative, uh, meaning that new work is created for that show, like Puppet Playlist, like the Puck and Puppet Show. Um, and then the National Puppet Slam is obviously very highly curated at several levels of curation. And um, so all every puppet slam is different, and the only thing that that you know people are like oh well that's not slammy, you know uh, I don't really like it when people say that um, mm-hmm. because really the only definition of a puppet slam is that it's not for kids, it's a variety show, mm-hmm. uh, and that there's a variety of artists performing the work. You can't have like a one man variety show or a one woman variety show or even like three people. Mm-hmm. There has to be 
several different art, several different artists doing different shows, um, in order for it to be a slam. So you when can't you're up a slam if it's for kids, when you're determining uh, your lineup for the Halloween uh, show. What do you have? Sort of go to people. Do you have like okay? I know I know I want this person in, or because uh, when you say it's open mic, explain what that means in relation to a puppet show. Because it's not it's not a matter of somebody just shows up with a puppet and is like, all right, let me do my thing. That that is what happens. It's it's um, literally open mic. It is it is very open mic. I mean, um, as, I, aside from when you have you know someone like Gavin performing that you know he has two acts he's going to do. Well, so so the way the Puck and Puppet Show runs now, um, and this is you know thankfully due to the Puppet Slam Network and the grant money that I get, I try to bring in because it's an open mic show. I have no idea what's going to happen. I don't know what people are going to bring, uh, and so by having a guest artist whose work I am familiar with, I can at least know that my audience is going to get their ten dollars worth. Yeah. Out of that guest artist. Right. Yeah. Everybody else in the show, um, you know, I put out a call to the local puppet scene and I say, okay, hey guys, it's the show. It's this day. Um, just let me know if you want to do a show. I don't need to approve it. I don't need to see a script. I don't need to see a video. Just show up and do your thing. And, you know, we, we have a meeting right before the show where, you know, people tell me what their tech needs are. And that's another thing is that, um, you know, we, in Atlanta, we try to keep the shows really simple because you don't have tech, really. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, you just sort of get up on stage and go. Right. So if you have a really complicated show, it's just more likely to go wrong because there mm-hmm. isn't time to, to make sure it all works in the space. So there has – honestly, I've been, do, I've been doing this show for a really, really long time, and there has only been one time that somebody showed up and wasn't and, – and was a problem. <laughs> yeah. uh, and he was just really drunk and his show uh, wasn't really anything he mm-hmm. just kind of went out there um, and 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 you know didn't really know when to quit oh, um, but no. for the most part we have a really really great pool of talent in Atlanta and, the sh- and you know and yeah obviously some shows are better than others mm-hmm. but the fact that the show exists as an outlet for puppet artists to get their feet wet because you can't, you can do puppetry at home until the cows come home and you can mm-hmm. do puppetry in the mirror. But until you get up in front of an audience and get feedback from a live audience, you have mm-hmm. no idea what you're doing. Yep. You have no idea if you're good or not. And the way that I got good was by performing at the dad's garage puppet slam over and over and over and over again and learning and that's how I figured out what people thought was funny and, mm-hmm. and you know, right, right. Um, that's just, that's how you learn. And, mm-hmm. and if, you want, if you're interested in getting involved in, and I try to make the puppet, Puck and Puppet Show very accessible. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Puppet Slam at Dad's Garage was very much sort of like you had to be on the list to be invited. Mm-hmm. Right. And I have made it, made it a priority for the Puck and Puppet Show to be open to anybody. That I'm not going to be like, oh, well, you're not in the cool kids club, so you can't yeah, yeah, make yeah. a show. You know, that, yeah. that it exists as an opportunity for amateur puppeteers to get up on stage and have their five minutes. Mm-hmm. As well as be backstage, meet professional puppeteers like Gavin. Right. And see their work and be inspired by it. Elitism mm-hmm. can kill art forms. Yeah. Oh, so much. And 
there's greatest puppeteers are that pops up every now and then. Uh, and that's what I think is great about, I mean, I, I agree with those so much. And I think that's what's, what's great about the slams because that's the thing about puppetry. Like I just, you know, I went to Yukon, not every, that's not, not everyone knows about that. And maybe that's not everyone's path either. Um, but the, the real question goes into how do I, I, how do I just, figure yes slams go find slams that's where you can experiment i mean when i ran mine i always wanted to make it um i wanted to make it a safe place to succeed and a safe place to fail like you know go and try it try the thing throw it at the wall and see what sticks that's you will know know. immediately and you know with slam things you know it's great when you have an audience that kind of supports that you know they'll let you know but they're also you know not going to be well that's the end of your career it's like no try something else or that little piece worked you know and that's what's great about it i think it's great for also people to i mean i know other professional puppeteers um also love slams because it's a place they get to do work they don't normally get to do or try out something else like well i have a puppet theater we only do hand puppets I want to try some other kind of puppet styles. Let me try it out as a slam. It's what's yeah. That's what I love about him. <laughs> I think I ran my slam similar. Yeah, like you did, Bo. Like give an anchor something you know. Okay, count on this. I can count on this, and then the rest of it doesn't matter. Yeah, for yeah. for the benefit. Uh, so, you know who knows? I mean, I know I know there there. Oh well, here here I I do have there there are some people who who have committed. So basically, I say this like, hey, I just need a head. Well, count. first for the benefit of the listeners, let's let's give them a little bit more background on what they can expect from a Halloween puck and puppet show because mm-hmm. we 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 want them to to have a good idea sure. of what goes on, and we do you know it's it's sort of a puppetry variety show kind of thing. Exactly. But is, yeah. from past shows, what are what are some things that have happened? What what are some things that stand out in your mind? Uh, well, the Halloween show definitely you, you get a lot of um, shows about candy. Uh, you get shows about obviously about Halloween. You get shows that have horror elements. You have shows that are fun, spooky shows. Well, I'm a huge fan of fun, spooky, um, and you get a lot of. Uh, you know, because it's because Halloween is you know you, you have shows that are about the actual day. You, you have shows that are about Halloween. You have shows about trick or treating. You have shows you know uh, about that kind of thing. But then it also sort of opens up all this horror movie sure. kind of stuff. You well, know, it seems that, like it's it would be one of the most inspirational times of year because there's so many different elements incorporated into halloween like you said there's the candy there's the the act of socializing and going out but there's also the the you know many many different kinds of horror elements which you know can be comedic or can be deadly serious you, you've got yeah. there there's so many different ways to present subject matter uh that's relevant to the holiday and and the puck and puppet show uh you know his it, it is an adult show and i mean the Halloween show last year had live human penis on stage. Um, I believe we had a full windmill. <laughs> which, which I think is an important thing uh, for people to be aware of. Yeah, the, I mean, the, the Puck and Puppet show is called that for a reason. Right. Um, I do not censor. I am I'm very against artistic censorship in my show. Yeah. There's a time and a place for that. Um, but it's not the Puck and Puppet show. Puppets uh, are going to fuck. You know, our our show our show is is fast and loose and raw, and the hot glue is still hot and the paint's still wet, and you know, and I I really I really like that about it. Um, 
they're as as we said, they're audience participation games. So we'll do some shows, and then uh, I'm I'm the host. I will come out and introduce all the acts. I throw candy at the audience during the show um, as I vamp while people are setting up, and then we also Phantom will be running all the audience participation games. So we'll have people picked up out of the audience who want to get crazy, and they will uh, perf- be able to participate in a variety of um, embarrassing and sexy games. Yeah, we we are <laughs> not going to let people just sit on their hands the whole time. No, no, we want to we want to get you up and moving. Um, and uh, you know, it's it's a great date night kind of thing. If you know, because most people. If you've, you've never been to a puppet slam before, it, it is it is certainly a cultural experience. Um, and our show, you know, just the Atlanta the Atlanta show is always run like that. I mean, even back in the Dad's Garage days, you know, the, the Atlanta Slam has always been raunchier. Um, and and I think some people came to really associate that with Puppet Slam, and I don't I don't think that's necessarily the case. Mm-hmm. Puppet Slams don't have to be raunchy, right? Um, they just have to be adult, and I think people oftentimes confuse adult with raunchy. Sure, and that's that's not the case, you know. And, and mm-hmm. um, I always use Honey Goodenough's blanket piece as an example. Oh I'm my gonna, gosh, I'm going to start crying which, now. Which was in yeah, which was in Dragon Con Slam, mm-hmm. where you know that's a, a puppet show about a very serious adult topic. It's about losing a child, and. That is an adult puppet show. That is a show that speaks to the adult experience. Right. It does not mean that, that puppets are whipping their dicks out and having sex. Like, not that there's anything now, wrong with that. Not that there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> but, but that's when we say adult puppetry, that's what we're saying. We're saying, we're saying puppetry that has themes uh, and subject matter that speaks to the adult experience mm-hmm. and not targeted at children. Well, we have uh, well. For, we got to put over when the show is. We haven't even mentioned the date. The show <laughs> is October twenty second at ten thirty at the Village Theater. And the Village Theater is an improv theater. Uh, you can look it up, and it'll tell you where it is. Tickets are ten dollars cash at the door. Um, we do not take cards. Um, at least, well, I, I don't take cards. <laughs> um, I, think the theater, I think the theater found a way to, to take a credit card if, if you really need to, but for the most part, it's all cash. It's a lot easier just to bring cash. It's easier to bring cash. The bar will accept cards. You, there's a, there's a beer and wine bar. You are heavily encouraged to drink heavily during the show, and unless you're your bartender, then get a then get a get an Uber or, or have a DD. Um, mm-hmm. But but there's definitely drinking in the show. There's definitely drinking on stage during the show. There's definitely drinking backstage during the show. If, if you participate in our games, you might get a little taste of something. You will probably well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, might, it, it might be more than you, you want. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> taste that windmill. Yeah, but that's it. It's it's. Um, and there's a Facebook event. Theater. There's a Facebook uh, event page for it. Not too big, not too small. Um. And the, it's predominantly an improv theater, but it works really well for, for our show. Um, you can, there's lots of really great places to eat right around it. So you can come and have dinner, then go see the show, uh, or, and, and hang out and have some drinks at the bar before the show. There's probably an improv show going on before we go on. So that'll happen before us. And, uh, yeah, we're very happy. We're very, very happy with, uh, our relationship with the Village Theater. And then what, the reason that we take cash is at the end of the show, another difference between the Puck and Puppet Show and other slams is our show is competitive. 
very friendly competitive. It's not serious com- competitive. But at the end of the night, uh, every audience member gets one vote, and they get to decide what their favorite show was. They can vote for one show. And then we count the votes backstage and uh, award the, the cash cash prize money. So the reason that we take cash is so that we can give the cash to the puppeteers. Uh, and you can't do the payouts uh, live on stage if, if everybody pays with a credit card. Right, right. So first prize is $100 cash, second prize is $75 cash, and third prize is $50 cash. Because And then everybody else in the show doesn't get paid. Because I had decided uh, a long time ago that it was better... Well, first of all, the show was competitive when I inherited it. And actually, I was the winner of the very first uh, Puck and Puppet show back before <laughs> it was my show with my uh, gay horse show. <laughs> um, which is a classic. Yes. <laughs> the, classic the classic tale of classic. the Gay Horse. Um, have you ever seen that show, Gavin? I've not seen that show. Are you bringing that one? Uh, I'm bringing it. I'm probably yeah. I'm bringing it to, to Phoenix. Wait. Do you want to be my gay horse? Sure, I'll be your gay horse. Aw, I'll be I your. Knew gay I could count horse. on you. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that's the show, pretty much. Um, competitive, we award. So anyway, so I like to pay somebody a hundred dollars rather than pay everybody in the show seven dollars. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, um, and you know, and, and people, you know, there's food backstage and, and free drinks and stuff. So you know, it's, it's not like you don't get anything by being in the show. Um, and then uh, yeah, so that's I think that's. That's pretty much it so for the who, show. You, you were going to, because uh, I, I wanted to give some background before you threw names out, but you said you do have some names that... that uh, oh, I do. I do. So David Stevens uh, ha- is going to be doing a show. Um, Heidi Carpenter, who has been has been at like every show for a really long time. Heidi will be there. Um, and then The Prodigal Son Returns, Raymond Sexy Raymond. Oh, boy. Is going to be back in town from uh, his work. He's he he has been working for Henson out in L.A. Uh, working on um, a new Henson show, uh, TV show, and he will be in town. And so it'll be re- the, the the triumphant return of Atlanta's very own Raymond Sexy Raymond. So as much as you um, don't want to bring your kids out to a Puck and Fuppet show, you really really don't want to bring your kids out to this puck and puppet show. Raymond Raymond definitely has a track record of really bringing the adultness of the show to the forefront. <coughs> For sure. So 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 if so between but I mean and, and all of David's work is fantastic too. So I mean even just knowing that Raymond will have a piece, David will have a piece. Heidi Heidi's work is always very consistently great. Bean and Bear will probably be there. Oh um, man, you know I love cool. them. Yeah, Bean and Bear will probably be there, and then of course Gavin's work. So I mean, even right there, that's your ten dollars worth. That's, yeah, that's yeah. a good show. Yeah, that's a really good <laughs> nice. show. Fantastic. So as we wind down here, uh, mm-hmm. we we've actually had a really great conversation, and don't need to uh, really go too deeply into horror and puppetry or puppetry mm-hmm. and horror, which is something I wanted to cover a little bit. What I'd rather do is uh, put you guys on the spot a little bit. Mm-hmm. And let's just have a real quick conversation about if if we were going to do a puppetry and horror uh, full conversation, what is a movie, show, event, whatever that you would bring into that conversation? Oh man! And I will I'll give you guys a minute to sort of think about it, and I will mention something that I saw when I was very young that left a big impact on me, uh, probably because of how 
Muppety they were and how relatable they were to other puppet characters that I'd seen, and that's Critters. Mm-hmm. Uh, an old favorite of mine for its horror and for its use of puppets. I love those creatures so much. Uh, they're like the evil, demented versions of Fizzgig, mm-hmm. uh, which makes them even more upsetting. Uh, and, and the way that they're used in the movie is so brilliant because they're not necessarily all that mobile until they ball up and roll. Like, it's a brilliant yeah. way to get a puppet character across the road or running after someone. Yeah. Like, they, they really did a lot of intelligent, creative stuff with that franchise. Uh, and I, I love it. I'm, I'm going under the assumption that you guys have both seen this. At least the first I one. Seen, I haven't seen Critters. Oh, my gosh. Critters? Oh, man. This will be the lamest thing I'm about to say. Like, I don't do a lot of, uh, of horror, so there's a whole bunch of those I haven't uh, seen. But I know oh, of it, but well, I haven't seen it. great 80s practical effect horror movies, The Creatures, man. And that was yeah. like... And it's definitely a very 80s in the sense that, yeah. yes, it's a horror movie, but it's one of those that you see when you're a kid and it's on TBS. And, like, it's not really that bad, but if you're a kid yeah. watching it, you're like, oh, my gosh, these things are scaring the shit out of me. But it's not, like, probably within a year or two I'll be showing it to my son because it's not, yeah, yeah. It's not mm-hmm. over-the-top gory. It's, it's just one of those cool 80s things that we don't get anymore that's that... That middle of the road, you know, almost a family yeah. movie, but not quite. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, definitely recommended just for looking at how they handled the, and created these mm-hmm. creatures. Sweet. Oh, I mean, I would. I mean, I can. Yeah, Critters, the Puppet Master movies. Um, specifically, I really like Puppet Master Three. Yeah, let's uh, let's, let's let's land on Puppet Master because I, we, you and I have talked about that briefly before. Because I, I had a Puppet Master shirt that uh, you you commented on. When where did the where did seeing a Puppet Master movie fall in your life of puppetry? Like how early on was it? it what, like oh. were you already at a point where you were analyzing what was going on with the puppets? No, I saw them at a very young age uh, because my best friend had cable. So <laughs> I, I saw them on H- HBO or Showtime or, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I just loved, growing up, I just loved fantasy and, and science fiction. I loved, I, I was just so much more interested in things that weren't real. Yeah. Um, you know, I, like I always preferred Star Wars to Star Trek because there was just so much more visual stuff going on 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 in Star Wars. I loved the creatures. I loved non-human characters in movies. Uh, so I was just really attracted to cartoons uh, and and films that featured non-human characters. Well, and I, th- you know, I think uh, the conversations that you and I have had about this sort of thing have made, have led me to sort of think about it. And going back like to my childhood and and my interests over time. I think that's definitely part of my fascination with puppetry is I love seeing things that aren't human actors but that are occupying physical space and mm-hmm. and doing something. Like I love yeah. the, you know seeing a monster on screen, seeing anything yeah. that that isn't just an actor cuz I like when I watch yeah. horror movies, you know, sure I like Friday the 13th or whatever, but it's much more exciting to me to see something like Pumpkinhead or The Thing. Yeah. Yeah, like oh, that. Yeah, that yeah. stuff is what I I love monsters and creatures. Yeah, yeah. 
And I like the, I do like 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 you know say so like critters the eight like the eighties practical effects puppets where they're like really cool but they're also were like super realistic right they're you know they're a monster puppet and they're fucking awesome <laughs> yeah it's it's a thing yeah, that's there mm-hmm. and like yeah you know that it's it's occupying the same space as the actor mm-hmm. and it it has to look good enough you know as an adult you look at it and you're like yes that's a puppet. But as a kid, you look at it, and you're like, ah, that's a thing, and it has big pointy teeth, mm-hmm. and it's rolling after yeah. that dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Which is why, like, you know, for kids, like, Dark Crystal, I remember, still remember yes. that, is terrifying. Yes, yes. <laughs> awesome, but there's, a, you know, there's, like, that's, yeah, kids walk away from this when they suck the life out of a cute doll. It's... <laughs> well, even the Striders in that, even though they're, they're yeah. helping our hero characters, the Striders freaked me out when I was a kid. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, like I mean, I mean, if we're if we're still specifically talking like horror stuff, like aliens, yeah, oh Mar- sure, that movie, yeah, is unbelievably good, and mm-hmm. and you can only tell you could only tell that story with the creatures in it. I mean, that's mm-hmm. what makes it good, right? <laughs> you know, like you you couldn't if if it was just like a body, you know, like like. While while the thing John Carpenter's The Thing is a really great movie, uh, in a di- you know because you don't know who the you don't know who the, the monster is. Mm-hmm. It can look like a human. It, it it's those moments when you see it transforming, mm-hmm. right? That you know, and you get that body horror act, you know yeah. action going. Uh, that, you know, yeah, so that's the interesting the thing and in, in the alien huge you know huge, yeah. huge body horror franchises, yeah, uh, films. Yeah, I want like, to also go. I also throw up Dead Alive too. If you haven't. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. A lot of puppets. I mean, yeah, a lot of puppets in Dead Alive. Yeah. Starting, right, starting with the Sumatran rat monkey. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Right yeah. And what I think I love about that is, I mean, this is kind of like in the theatricality of it. Like, it's not hyper realistic, but the entire movie keeps the same aesthetic. Yes. So I think it's great. You know, I think you, I think the more things work in it uh, uh, because that you know that. The blood is that you know that weird red color that splatters everywhere, and there's just enough of uh, the world inhabits is complete. So you go with like the fakiness of it, but it doesn't live in a super realistic world. Yeah, yeah, and that's a way that movies, uh, particularly horror movies, can get away with a lot uh, is by you know they do create a world that's not quite ours, but they always stay within the constraints of the world they've created. Mm-hmm. So yeah. they can get away with a little bit more. And actually, Bo, I was going to tell you, uh, well, and, and Gavin, you as well, there's a documentary about Alien 3, which is not anybody's oh. favorite Alien movie, but yeah. the Alien in that one, uh, much of it was a marionette Yeah, that they superimposed. I think another puppeteer who worked that one, Christine Perlaxis, I think, did. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, no, I thought she worked on Resurrection. Oh, maybe it was Resurrection. I know it was an alien. I can't remember which one it was. I couldn't remember if it was three or the or res- maybe it was Resurrection. I think it was Resurrection. Okay, um, sure, to one of them. <laughs> but but yeah, but you know, like that's those are the things that 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 resonated with me as a kid. Um, you know, and, and movies like Return to Oz, and yeah. you know, that aren't necessarily horror movies, but like like we said, Labyrinth, Dark Crystal, yeah, all those all those movies that took me to a different place. Um, that wasn't people. Well, and had those creepy elements that stayed with you, uh, like even Never Ending Story. Yeah. yeah, there was some dark stuff in there. 
mm-hmm. uh, that definitely unsettled me when I was a kid. And see, that's the stuff that I look back on. And at the time, I was like, I, I don't know if I liked that or not. But now I know how much it affected me and how much it helped shape my view of entertainment and what I enjoy. And I love that stuff, even though at the time, maybe it kind of scared the shit out of me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was it was an important part of my development. Yeah, 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 yeah for certain. Yeah. And then for me, I mean, also like Gremlins was right in there in that, in that in oh, prime, yeah. prime age for me. And I'm also, I'm a big fan of Gremlins too, as well, oh, which yeah. is like, it's a parody of itself. It's mm-hmm. a really good parody of itself. But it's so, it's so effective because oh, it's, I mean, Joe Dante being the cartoon fan that he is, yeah. gets yeah. to basically live out every dream he ever wanted to have in live action. Yeah. Uh, you yeah. know, every Warner Brothers cartoon you've seen is represented in Gremlins too. It's all yeah, yeah. so much right. fun. Like a hundred gremlins at the end doing a musical number and kick dancing. Yes, yes. <laughs> I was so excited when I when Gremlins two came out. My family was was on our vacation, mm-hmm. and I was so I was like, Dad, Dad, when are we going to the movies? When are we going to the movies? I was so excited to see Gremlins two. It was like the most important movie that that was that was happening, um, and. <laughs> And I was yeah, and I I I wasn't I I knew that there were different kinds of gremlins in it because mm-hmm. I knew that because I had seen the trailers and I, there was a bat gremlin and a spider gremlin yeah. and I was all about that I was so mm-hmm. excited, um, and then we were late and and I think we got into the movie like ten minutes late we missed the very beginning or something um, uh. I, was, I did not forgive my father, <laughs> 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 but yeah but movies like that like Beetlejuice and like. Oh. You know, yeah. just these, you know, and and um, the Tales from the Dark Side movies, you know, mm-hmm. like the, the just seeing yeah. stuff that just was was broadened, just broadened my horizons. This yeah. The really what out there it? stuff where you got the sense that the creators were having a lot of fun designing yeah. and executing these things that you were seeing on screen. Yeah, well, yeah. like, like, well, like, like the Crypt Keeper, right? Oh, Crypt yes, yeah, awesome. I mean, and that's and that's one of those classic. I mean, let's pull it straight out of the comic. You know, yeah. it's exactly that, and like, it fully. It, Crypt Keeper's fantastic. It's yeah. a great character, right? And it's oh, yeah. a complete character, and it, you know, and it's you know brought to life, and is actually there. It's amazing, and it's you know, it's and, a beautiful character, and John Cassier, That I mean, that voice that. <laughs> the way that he brings that puppet to life mm-hmm. is just, it's, it's an amazing combination of talent. It went into that because mm-hmm. people may not remember specific episodes of tales from the crypt, but everybody knows the crypt keeper. Yeah. <laughs> and that's really yeah. the point I wanted to make tonight in, in having a, you know, a brief conversation that we did about puppetry and horror, uh, mm-hmm. is that it's pervasive. It's everywhere. Any, yeah. any particularly eighties and even early nineties horror stuff, uh, and going back further than that, even back to the 50s when they were doing the giant ant movies and stuff, yeah. it's everywhere. Once again, puppetry is everywhere. If you look, mm-hmm. you're going to find it. Uh, and, and I think that's one of the things that makes it so special is it can be applied in so many different ways. Well, and this, this is, this is a, 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 a larger topic for maybe another time, and we touched on it at DragonCon a couple of years ago when we had a panel called Puppetry and Evil. Mm-hmm. And it was about how 
in in mainstream media puppetry and puppeteers specifically are always portrayed as nefarious yeah yeah uh and wh- and why and and so that that's what that panel was about it was a, it was a fan you know it, it was about as close mm-hmm. to a fan panel as we really get in the puppetry track sure um but but that's uh, you know that's what it was about it was like why is that like in the tales from the tales from the crypt story um you know, the ventriloquist dummies are always evil, right, and the puppeteer yeah. is always evil, and it's always about, you know, people's fear of being manipulated and you not being in control of your own actions. Then. Well, and that's, to, to point out uh, yet another facet of Joss Whedon's genius, that's why the the ventriloquist dummy episode of Buffy was so good, because mm-hmm. he used that stereotypical fear that people have of the ventriloquist dummies and turned it around. Yeah. Yeah. To where the dummy was the good guy. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Well, and also, I mean, if you want to go even, and we were kind of talking that you know twentieth and into the movies uh, action. If you want to go with the puppetry, uh, the influence of puppetry and just horror in general, it actually goes has a major influence further, further back in like around the seventeen hundreds in in France. It's actually um, um, with the character of, of Guignol, right? This is a hand puppetry show, so there was a comedia kind of you know clown theater uh, that was going on stage, and then ha- puppeteers started taking those same characters and doing uh, hand puppet shows, basically the same uh, 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 clown shows but with hand puppets. And uh, a guy in France, um, his name is forgetting, I'm forgetting, but he created the character of Guignol, uh, which if you've heard of Punch and Punch and Judy, he's a punch like character. He came a little before punch, um, but he did not have a bat. He had a knife. Uh, so Guignol stabbed people. There's a lot of stabbings in these shows. So this again, this is largely for adults. Uh, you have this comic clown character with a knife uh, stabbing people and uh, you know disposing of bodies, and and that's the show, which sort of kept growing and growing. Not in terms of of, of the comedics, but like what other uh, dastardly things can he do? How can he gut people? And just the the special effects of you know having fake puppet blood uh come out or those sort of things they kept the guignol players kept upping each other on Mm -hmm. that technique which then sort of developed into its own live horror genre of of theater that was taking place in france called the theater de guignol which was you know if you ever saw um interview with the vampire right when the vampire staging that's kind of an example of that and that kind of came out of puppetry and this sort of horror genre um, or even like even less horror genre, but like slasher genre, right? Is you know has its basis in you know the seventeen eighteen hundreds as France that comes directly from a puppet, and then you know kind of sparks off into it all uh, various different forms. Well, and there's that. even a whole subgenre of horror referred to as Grand Guignol. Yes, that yeah. comes from that. Yeah, it is. That's it is the same Guignol. Yeah, <laughs> from that, and it was a puppet character. It was a puppet character from France. Yeah. And that's how knowledge gets dropped on us. <laughs> yeah. The Needless Things podcast. I think it's a fantastic way to wrap up the show with with you know a little a little knowledge about the the roots yeah. of modern horror. Uh, guys, I want to thank you so much for coming on. Before we go, uh, Gavin, please tell us where we can find you online. Uh, what uh, what you're up to lately? Great. Uh, uh, I'm. Pretty much just working here at Great Arizona uh, Puppet Theater. If you're in the Arizona area, come uh, check out things we do. We have a my first show will be going up around in December. Uh, kids show. Uh, I think it's. I should. 
find out the name of it. The elves and the something or other. I think it's the elves and the shoemaker, something like that, something Christmassy. Uh, and uh, and then if you want to find it, you want to look up me. Um, uh, you can go to my website, uh, which is just gavincummins.com. Uh, you have a bunch of uh, videos of uh, my work and other shows I've I've done. So you want to check out more of what I do? Uh, go check it out there. And Mr. Bo Brown, one more time, give us the details about the Halloween Puck and Fuppet Show. Yes, Halloween Puck and Fuppet Show at the Village Theater, October 22nd at 10.30, $10 cash. Bring more cash. Uh, we will also, um, I'm, I'm, I'm glad uh, I got a little chance. The, the, other, the other thing that will be happening at the show that I forgot to mention is we will be holding a fundraiser for a uh, puppeteer and dear friend, Hannah Miller. Yes, yes. Um, Hannah's had been dealt a real raw deal, uh, and we're going to raffle off some items that people have donated uh, and send Hannah a big thank you, uh, we love you, um, money gift, uh, because she is in need of that kind of stuff right now. And actually, uh, speaking of that, if if you're listening to this and you are an artist or creator of any kind that would be interested in providing prizes for this raffle... Uh, please get in touch with me at phantomtroublemaker at gmail dot com, and uh, we'll we'll get your stuff in there. Yeah, and so for the and so if you, if you have things that you'd like to donate to be raffled off, um, you know they they can be you know any sort of any, anything that you think might might get people um, interested in in purchasing raffle tickets. And so if you're coming, bring your ten dollars cash, but then also bring more cash uh, to buy lots of raffle tickets to help Han out with. So mm-hmm. bring cash. Bring cash. Hannah, just for some background, and we've talked about her before, but Hannah's the one that kind of sparked my my interest in delving further into puppetry uh, with with a panel at DragonCon several years ago about puppetry in the Buffyverse, and and that's that's where I realized how much it's everywhere. So she she's played a very special role in my fandom, and we need to help her out. Yeah, she's we awesome. love Hannah, so she's we're gonna be helping her out because we love her so much. So. Uh, come see the show. Help uh, help out Hana. Laugh and cry and cringe uh, at the Halloween Puck and Puppet Show on October twenty second. And that is all we got for you tonight, guys. Thank you so much for coming on, and I look forward to seeing both of you in just a couple weeks here. Yeah, me too. Thanks for having me. All right. Good journey. Yeah. Remember, visit supportphantom.com. For $1 a month, you can have access to exclusive reviews and pictures and stuff like that. Uh, and there are other rewards for higher dollar amounts, including a patron-exclusive podcast that I do on a sort of not regular basis. Uh, it is at least monthly, though. Uh, also remember, do not go to takemyevilljunk.com. Because it is not a real thing. Uh, do you guys like the fake ads? I'm having fun doing them. Uh, I, I don't know what I'm going to do for the next two episodes, but I tried to keep it thematically consistent for the last two episodes. Uh, I like them. If you haven't picked up on it, they are done in the style of the Podcast One ads that uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin and Chris Jericho do on their shows. I don't... As much as I love the Jericho ads where he pretends he's breaking into the interview to do an ad uh like he'll he'll supposedly tell the interviewee about the product and it's totally fake and you can totally tell by the sound quality Uh, as much as i would love to do one of those i'm not going to break up one of my interviews Uh, i feel strongly about that so 
if something happens where there's a technical difficulty and there's a place to drop one in, then I might do that. But I'm not going to intentionally break up a discussion or, or an interview. I can't do that. Uh, but anyway, I hope you guys are enjoying it. I hope you're enjoying 31 Days of Halloween. Please visit NeedlessThingsSite.com for five days a week of creepy, kooky, spooky, Halloweeny stuff. Please come out to the Puckin' Puppet Show at the Village Theater on October 22nd. Go to Facebook, look up Puckin' Puppet Show, and you'll see the event page there, which I tried to mention a couple of times. But uh, Bo Brown is a conversational steamroller, ladies and gentlemen. Once he gets going, it's hard to, to get in there sometimes. But I love him, and I love you guys. Thank you for listening to the Needless Things Podcast. You're the best. You can find the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Downcast, or in the ears of a Trader Vic's employee. And of course, it's at needlessthingssite.com. Love you. Mean it. Uh Uh-huh.